Okay, uh, here we go. This was, uh, I don't, this may end up being uh, the most requested topic of all time. Who knows? Maybe you guys will watch this, maybe you won't. Um, it's a little different um, format because uh, we're virtual. We brought in a couple guests today um, for, for Perigy, and we're going to talk about only one topic and and then we're going to get off the stage so we'll be back with a more um normal uh, what you guys are used to um parody where we talk about a bunch of things there's a lot of things going on for sure we just wrapped up the ea e9dt um i think we got an announcement coming soon on on holistic health i think we got an announcement soon on uh on uh, some some other things uh uh, uh guardian spirit is going to be released soon I, I think there's a lot of things happening um, but we're not going to talk about those today. What we're going to talk about today is is uh, um, this sort of important um, conversation that uh, I thought we had been having for quite some time. I still um, I feel like a lot of us have been having it. Like I feel like I talk about it a fair amount. But um, in, over the last couple of weeks, um, this this topic of beards has uh, has lifted. Uh, again, and and I made a, a fairly public comment on social media that hey, I thought Guardians had wrapped their head around the, the policy and what we're doing, and and I, I didn't realize that this was something that that still needed a lot of discussion and and understanding. And I was um, and I was told that that is not the case that um, that we did need to talk about it. So I said, okay, well let's talk about it. So uh, in the interest of me. Um, being committed to my growth and me learning and and me uh, knowing that we you know I have blind spots just like everyone has blind spots. Uh, I, I wanted to make sure that that we were doing what we could to talk through um, this this topic and sort of walk through where the service is and and where our, where our minds are and where the policy is and and invite in some special guests to uh, to kind of talk through it and ask questions on everybody else's behalf there was no um there was no picking rather than just sort of a, a social media post that said hey if you're interested you know raise your hand and and start morse and um uh uh and sergeant jones have said hey we, we want to be a part but we had uh senior israel who many of you know he also was going to be with us this morning but congratulations senior uh, new father, his his beautiful uh, wife, who's a wonderful human being. They both are, uh, but they had a baby last night, so he ended up uh, pulling out at the last minute. And and so it's just that it's just the two of us, uh, the three of us today. But um, we certainly wish uh, uh, senior uh, well, and and uh, hope everything's going well with uh, with the baby and and uh, and proud proud parents. So um, congrats to them. Otherwise, uh, I guess just real quick. Uh, we'll start with uh, Sar Morse. Like, tell me, uh, tell us, like, who you are and what you're doing, and are, are you 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 escape from the skiff at least for a few moments to do the podcast? I assume so. That's that's good. Well, welcome to daylight. Is that a window shining in on you? Is there actual light? Morning, Chief. Um, most of the light is just from the. Uh, I tried to open all the curtains in the hotel room and turn every single piece of light awesome. on so that I could actually get some some uh, some vitamin D, I guess. Um, yeah, they let me out of the war games for uh, for a little bit so that I could come out for this. Um, 
So I've, I've been in the Air Force for 15 years and Space Force for a couple now. I'm a 5IO all source analyst currently at the Starcom headquarters, uh, moving out to the 392nd next month. Um, haven't always had a beard. I did have a shaving waiver a long, long time ago, uh, about 10 years now. Uh, it was hard to get, it was very hard to get, and it was only about six months long. Uh, I went into the dock last year uh, and asked just for another six month one. Um, he identified some scarring I didn't know about because I've always had it since I started shaving. Uh, and he put me on my current shaving waiver. And that's uh, where I'm at now. And, 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 how, and how long is this one good for? Five years, which I'm still trying to wrap my head around. Um, to be honest. Wrap your head around it as if it's going to be five, you might as well make it permanent or like what, what, what do you think about five years? Well, pretty much about wrapping my head around it as far as making it permanent or not, because admittedly, if, if it's a five year long thing for something that, at least in my case, like there's already permanent scarring, like it's not going to go away. Uh, and the underlying reason for it is that my, my facial hair tends to grow in, curl in, and then end up in my skin. I've pulled out like inch long hairs before, um, or my wife has, but uh it's, it's one of those things that admittedly, like, and I've seen the other services go through ebb and flow over, you know, the course of a decade and a half of permanent waivers, non-permanent waivers, permanent waivers, and then deciding that they were, you know, going to change their mind on that later on, um, and, and everything in between. Uh, my personal feeling is that, you know, beards should be allowed, but, you know, whatever, that's just like my opinion, right? So, um Obviously, like I know the DOD policy, I know the Air Force policy, I understand the, the tradition, for lack of a better term, behind it. Um, may not agree with it, but there's a lot of things we don't agree with, and we do them anyways, because that's what we signed up for. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about uh, all that. Let's, let's introduce Sarn Jones, Sheepdog. Good morning, Chief. Thank you for having me. Is that what everyone calls you, or is that just what I call you? That's what everybody calls me. So I was yeah. formerly shop. So I, and I was in the weapons and tactics shop. So they kind of give everybody a call sign, and I, that was my call sign. So you know, it, it's followed me a little bit. I'm in a different unit now. It's still followed me. So I'm trying to shed that one and get a new one. So hopefully, when I talk oh, to yeah. you, next, how how come? Uh, the, the I, I think I have one that I want. And usually you don't get the one that you want. It's kind of somebody just gives you a, one from something that's, you know, they made it joked about or something like that. So one that I want is it, a couple people, you know, they know. So, you know, I'll, I'll let them know about it when they watch this. They'll, they'll get a good laugh. But, um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm Sergeant Jones. I've been in four years. I'm a five Sierra. Uh, right now I'm at the 18 Space Dead One inside the NSDC. So I'm a young guy in a, in a, a big C2 center. So uh, it's a very interesting perspective that I've recently gotten. And then before in four stops, I had a different perspective being one of many airmen in the big squadron. So I kind of had two different perspectives um, of space operations. Um, and I've had a beard uh, for about two years. Um, I did honor guard. So, uh, you know, and actually they just were able to uh, alleviate the, the pressure of, you know, people in honor guard not being able to have a beard. So but when I was in honor guard, you, you couldn't have a beard. And my face is like a crunch bar, like a, a Hershey's crunch bar. It, it was just uh, ingrown hairs everywhere. And I mean, I would shave 
pop back through the uh, the bumps and everything. So I was having a rough time. So as soon as I got out of Honor Guard, I think the next day I went and got a, a waiver. And since then, you know, I just uh, re- that was a six month waiver. And I think I renewed it again. And that, at that point, they have five year waivers. So I've just been appreciative of the fact that um, I don't have to go in every six months to get a new waiver, even if it is just five years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, thank, thanks. Um, thanks for being on and uh, thanks for everything. And hopefully the new unit is, uh, is awesome. I know they, they were very proud of the last one, so it's good. I think, um, yeah, I, I think I already said it that you guys aren't ringers, but I feel like I know you both and, and maybe from the outside looking in, if, uh, if people don't account for the size of our service and if senior would have been here, I, I know him as well. Um, I don't want anyone to think that I brought in uh, ringers. You guys, uh, you you guys raised your own hands, but it it's kind of cool to be part of a space force where um, where I do know you and that we have these uh, we can have these kind of conversations. So I appreciate you guys coming on and, and talking through it. So let's go through kind of my background on the topic in twenty. Uh, 18, I, I, uh, I worked for Assistant Secretary of the Air Force, and, uh, and the Chief Master of the Air Force at the time said, hey, we should look at this beard thing. I actually brought it to him, and I said, hey, I, I think that there's a problem. We're seeing some data that might, um, might indicate that, um, that we've got some, some uh, challenges that if you have a, a shaving waiver, that it's hurting your career. And we've got certain demographics that that it looks like in the early data looks like that there's a a, a problem there, and, and he said, okay, let's look at it. And so we started looking at it, and and for sure. Uh, and I've talked to um, occupational uh, health experts. I've talked to uh, dermatologists. I've talked to um, general uh, practitioner uh, physicians about this. Um, we really were hoping um, back then to find an easy answer. I'd talked to uh, over the last, well, if that was in 18 and it's 23 now, so they'd say five years. So over the last five years, um, I talked to physicians, talked to mental health professionals, talked to um, chaplains, talked to uh, advocates for change. Uh, talk to uh, DNI experts. Talk to um, allied nations that authorize beards. Like we really have been. General Raymond, in uh, early on after we stood up to service, he said, "Hey, do we need? Like we got to look at this." So, so I mean, we've taken a very, I think, honest look, and and the data is interesting because the data shows us that uh, more than it's hard to get a a good number um but between most most experts would tell us between 40 and 70 percent so i i just say more than half of african-american men can't shave every day without without some form of skin um challenges resulting uh about three percent of caucasians fall into that category and and the last time i talked to uh air force doctors on the topic um very few uh, of like uh, Asians or Islanders. There's a lot of um, a lot of types of skin and a lot of types of hair, but no doubt that the the 
place where it's most challenging is uh, is with African American men. So, um, so if you have this um, requirement to shave every day, and if you sort of stand by it with blinders on and say, hey, if you can't shave every day, then by definition, you're a bad service member. And we're not going to let you, as you brought up, be on the honor guard. We're not going to let you uh, brief uh, DVs when they come around. We're not going to let you win awards. We're not going to let you, you know, fill in the blank. There was, won't let you be a first sergeant, won't let you be a, a TI, won't let you be a, 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 you know, tech school instructor, you know, whatever the case. What When we started peeling it back, we found that we had really, in the sake of professionalism, we had scripted a lot of policies that were having an unattended consequence of, of marginalizing people in it man, that should bother all of us, right? Like that's not, it's not good. And so we went to work um, fixing those and, and now those policies have all been changed. Um, there's also an unwritten kind of cultural aspect, right? Like there's rules and there's written rules and there's unwritten rules. Sometimes they go hand in hand and sometimes unfortunately um, they don't go hand in hand. That's a big part of our um, calculus on this is that it's hard to understand unwritten rules. Um, and so why don't, so you both have been wearing um, beards with the appropriate waiver now for a while. Um, what is that, Sergeant Jones, what's that feel like? To, I mean, I met you because you were being lifted up by your organization as a, as a superhero, right? Like this is the guy, like if you don't meet anyone else, we want you to meet this guy. So it seemed to me like they don't have a problem with your face. Like I love your face, um, but I'm not you. So what does it feel like to, to be you day to day now? What did it feel like at, you know, as an airman in the past? Like, um, do you feel like we're making progress on the unwritten rules? The written rules have changed so we can, we can declare progress, but is that enough? Like, is the change happening? What does it feel like to you? Issue. Uh, I think, you know, when I first got my, uh, I think it's important to go back to when I first got my waiver, I was the uh, at Vandenberg for undergraduate space training, and you had to go to the 30th Space Wing uh, Medical to get your waiver. And so, that I mean, I was brand new out of basic, and you couldn't get a waiver in basic. So then once I got to medical there, um, I was like, hey, I really need a waiver. And uh, they they kind of just had like five or six guys in a room and it was kind of like a briefing on and it was literally a briefing on why shaving waivers are pretty much bad like you're going to be looked at as a dirtbag nobody's going to take you serious it's going to affect your career that was my first uh, like introduction into what ha having a beard would be like in the you know the air force at that time so it, it gave me this stigma in the back of my head where I'm like oh my god people are going to look at me a certain way people are going to you know regardless of how hard I work you know, how good I am in my job, whatever I do, people are still going to have this uh, stigma in the back of their head when they look at me. So once I once I moved on from there, um, I felt like I always tried to do good. And I don't ever feel like I had any roadblocks or obstacles in my way. But there was still that that stigma in the back of my head that I that I felt from going exactly back to that moment. And uh, as I moved on through all my career up until now, you know, when I was in force ops, I was in weapons and tactics and we had we, we were put in, in a lot of uh, high visibility situations, 
you know, whether it was going to space flag and briefing former General Buck or, you know, whether it was briefing our just down to our squadron commanders, our Delta commanders, we did that on a regular basis. So, you know, they had the faith in me that I would be good enough at my job and, and have a beard. So in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, you know, I think we are making great strides to be able to be uh, inclusive of people with beards. So I don't necessarily think that uh, as a force that we really do have a problem with it. I just think the most important boundary in the back of my head is what I what I heard when I was a young airman. And so now I kind of like move every day, and especially like I said, now being in like a C2 center, there's more majors and colonels than there are uh, anybody else. And so when, I, when I'm kind of walking around, I'm like, I wonder if they feel like I'm, you know, not as capable as the next guy just because I do have a beard. And so, you know, I don't, I don't even necessarily think they do. I think actually, you know, they know that I, I, I can perform very well and, and, and to a high level, but, you know, it's just something that really does play in the back of my head. And so I think it would just be something that I have to get over. But then, you know, I, I had also talked to some other African-American, you know, uh, commissioned officers, non-commissioned officers who have been in a while and they don't have beards because of that prior Air Force stigma that was placed upon them of the, those same type of briefings, that same kind of attitude towards it. And, you know, I had, I had to tell me, look, I'm, I'm at the point in my career where I feel like a, a beard would kill my, my momentum. It, it would kill the things that I've done. It would kill my accomplishments. So at this point, I'll just take the, you know, the scars on my face. I'll, I'll, I'll have to shave back through the, the bumps and all that because I feel like I care about my career more than, my, you know, I think that affects your mental health, your physical health. So, you know, I, like to answer your question, I, I think that the, the Space Force has really done a good job of being on top of problems and trying to create a conducive environment to inclusivity and actually making people feel like they want to be in a, a good work environment, regardless of what you look like. Yeah, I think um, I remember I had a conversation out in actually was out in uh, one of the SSC units and and a and a young FGO told me, you know, this story, like, I don't, I'm, I'm just dealing with it because I'm, I'm a, I, I don't, I don't want to take the chance. Like, I don't want to accept the risk. And I just, I begged him. I said, you you gotta, like, you gotta be you, like, you gotta let us, I see, um, you know, my, my, uh, my teammate down the hall, like she's, uh, a lot more active on social media than I am. And she's always, she's taken photos with, with folks with, with waivers and with accommodation. Uh, we're doing what we can to sort of normalize this. Um, I think across the board, certainly in the space force. Um, I hope we just, uh, in fact, at AFA two weeks ago, we had uh, one of our uh, award winners that we called up on stage in front of everyone ha had a, uh, had a, had a beard. I don't, I don't know if it was, accommodation or medical profile doesn't matter right like i i assume um well, that it's for the right reasons and 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 it's good right like i i make the analogy a lot that it's it's no different than i need a prescription lenses like you're not you're not supposed to discriminate against me because of it what about you sar morse what what are you seeing are you seeing it change are you seeing it the same what do you what do you, what's it feel like to be to have your face so, Chief, I think 10 years, a little over 10 years ago, when I got that first waiver, I, I got a lot of side eye from, from my commander uh, and, and his staff. And I was in a little detachment outside of Fort Belvoir in civvies uh, doing stuff and things uh, with people. But uh, that six months was interesting because I was getting a lot of, uh, you can't call it negative attention, but you can tell when somebody's looking at you, uh, you know, and, and they're not approving, right? Uh, 
it didn't really affect my career. I don't think at the time, um, but it definitely isn't a good feeling knowing that your, your, your leadership is not necessarily on board um, with the way that you look this, the second go around um, aside from a couple of odd looks of like, Oh, Hey, I haven't seen you in three months and now you've got a beard. What's going on? Um, other than that, I think it's been pretty, pretty simple. Um, I mean, honestly, more than anything else, people are like, Oh, Hey, great beard, blah, blah, blah. Um, which it's, it definitely has like boosted a little bit of self-confidence and, and things like that. Um, it's definitely more white than it used to be, but that will happen. Uh, I, I feel like the stigma thing is a lot less. Uh, I'm sure it still exists in some corners. Um, I think I've probably internalized a lot of that stigma myself, like just from my entire career of like, yeah, beards are bad. You shouldn't have shaving waiver. If you do, you got to have your waiver on you. You got to make sure you're following it to the letter. You got to like, because I had troops that had shaving waivers and as a supervisor, I had to make sure they were following the, you know, the rules because yeah. otherwise they were going to get, they were going to get chiefed by somebody or, uh, you know, hemmed up because, well, today's Tuesday and you shaved yesterday and you're supposed to shave like on alternate days or whatever the waivers used to be uh, and all the hoops you had to jump through to get them uh, for a legit medical issue. <laughs> um, so I, I think it's better. I think it's a lot better, um, at least in my corner of the space force that I've seen so far. Yeah. Your tiny dark corner with no windows and hiding and behind doors. Milk has vitamin D in it, Chief. Yeah. We're all good. <laughs> so um yeah, uh in full disclosure in 97, 97 or 98, uh, I was on a shaving uh medical profile. I had developed a uh acute but um significant uh bout with i uh, had had my own bout with uh, pfb and um and i went through that that same journey right in fact in those days they sent me to class to teach me how to shave and i mean it was it was tough and you couldn't wait to to work your way through it and in my case um a sort of adjustment in technique um made a difference which was which 10 years 20, 20 years later um was one of the questions when I got, when I got the experts on the phone, I said, okay, okay. But this is really about shaving, right? Like if you just use a sharp enough razor and hot enough water and good enough product and you get a fancy badger brush, like it's going to be okay. Like everyone can shave, right? Like I was, I wanted an answer that worked for everyone. And they were like, no, that's not, that's not how it works. And I'm like, ugh. and neither does uh, now everyone's different, right? There's a, a spectrum, but um, but everyone, the only solution is to not shave. So not shave every other day, not relax standards so that you do it once a month. Like that doesn't fix it. Um, the only thing that the only appropriate way forward is to not shave if you certainly if it's a significant enough uh, case. And so that's the right answer. That, that's where the five year waivers come in. That's where the sort of we've we've. Um, evolved our our uh, thinking on 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 the on what those waivers look like. It's all because of this reality that hey, there's only one answer. That's not to shave, and it doesn't matter how well you shave. Um, if if you've got a problem, you've got a problem. The other the other um, thing that we went through that I remember I asked with like I was hoping I said okay okay so tell me that if uh, if I suffer from this problem that if I let my beard grow out, it's going to be this beautiful full beard, right? So, so now we can go to this sort of 
professional beard standard like vis-a-vis uh, -vis the Canadians or or RAF guys use and like everyone that needs a waiver will be able to grow one of those beautiful beards like that right and they're like oh no that's that's not how it works and so and this is really where some of these other like the details of kind of our decisions become important what what the research shows us in a, a google search i think will will validate this but feel free um gents you've been way too cooperative by the way so that when this hits the interwebs you're going to be you're going to be labeled as ringers and bad people and you're siding with the man I just I just prepare yourselves for the hate because it it, it sometimes comes on on the interwebs but anyway if you go google uh this you'll find that only about half of us over the age of 30 us being men over the age of 30 can grow um what would be an acceptable beard in those by those other standards or by by there was a draft proposal brought forward right for hey let's let handsome men i always say handsome men wear beards but this nice full beautiful beard we we can accept that this looks professional right and 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 certainly we can um we can accept that a full and and if, and if you do the research um you know a full well-groomed clean manicured beard is considered acceptable in a far wider range of professions today than it was even 10 years ago. But we don't all have access to a beard like that. Only about half of us over the age of 30 have access to a beard like that. And so a policy like that doesn't eliminate waivers for medical conditions. And it doesn't eliminate the need to accommodate um, religious uh, uh, deeply held beliefs. And so this was really a very kind of a important part of our choice. We're like, hey, does changing the rules change the unwritten rules yes or no and then does changing the rules eliminate waivers and accommodations the need for waivers and accommodation well the answer to the second is definitely no like we know that that it people would still need shaving waivers and still need accommodation if you wrote a policy that said if you can grow a beard like ron swanson or uh or uh, ice cube, then you can have a beard, but the rest of you, you can't have a beard. So if you write a policy like that, it still excludes enough people that accommodation and, and, and waivers would still be necessary. And then on the first one, do written rules change unwritten rules? Um, maybe there's, you know, this wouldn't certainly be a historical precedent. There've been plenty of times in the history of mankind where people have implemented law or policy or rules to try to control the way people think or change the way people think. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, right? And so we don't really have an answer to that question. And it's certainly um, something that is, um, it's a worthy discussion to go, does changing the rules change the unwritten rules? Well, what I'm hearing though, and what I see with my own eyes, um, in the way that we're recognizing people. And I really wish Senior was with us today because he's one of the most well-respected uh, senior NCO guardians that we have. And he's got this beautiful uh, beard. And um, But it seems like anecdotally, like we're moving in the right direction. And what I hear from you guys is we're moving in the right direction. 
And when you've got sort of this control group, if you will, in other words, we've made some changes. We did the root cause analysis. And we said, whoa, these policies are problematic. Let's change them. And now we're collecting more data. But to me, and some will say I'm tone deaf, but to me, that's the problem solving process that we've always all been taught, right? Identify some root causes, make some changes, then measure results, and then reevaluate. We may find that um, that in, in a couple of years, if we look at the impact of shaving waivers and um, career advancement, that we've made no change and that there's still a negative correlation between if you have shaving waiver or accommodation and career advancement. And if we find that out, then, then we'll know that, hey, this was not the right solution. Uh, and then we'll have to try something else. It seems sensible to me that this is the right sequence. In other words, if you if you go to the more, like, let's just open it up for everyone. Well, now what, what are you measuring and what do you see and where's the control of that process? And if that doesn't work, what's next? You know, like, what, what do you go to next? But it sounds to me from what you guys are saying and, and what it looks to me from my own eyes, that yeah, you know what, this might, this might just be getting better. And that we're certainly not saying those things. When you guys went to get your current waivers, you didn't get lectured about all of the, hey, you know, they're gonna label you as a bad person and blah, 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 they, right? They, it's a very different um, process now on the medical front. Um, I, I, we know we've got rid of the rules and it, it feels better. Does that seem, to you guys is a sensible kind of process to kind of go through this, or at least, you know, you said earlier, like you might not agree, but does it at least seem understandable that, that we might want to do it in a, in an orderly kind of sequence of decisions so that we know what's working and what isn't working. Is that, does that seem unreasonable or. Chief, I, I think it definitely checks out. And like you said, I think there has been a, I can tell that there has just from you talking that there's been a lot of thought process put into it. And I think that's something that'll give people a lot of, you know, ease to say, okay, people really hear our concerns and they are thinking about the problems. I know one thing, and I will shout out the uh, Air Force slash Space Force beer page. They got a big following and there's a lot of people in there who are really uh, fired up about the topic. Um, you know, so there was a problem with, with rightfully so women having to put their hair in a bun every day. It was giving them headaches. It was, causing hair damage and stuff, you know? And so uh, they, you know, there was a lot of uh, concern about that. And then they were, they were able to, you know, wear ponytails and even took a long time for, you know, uh, senior NCO women and, 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 you know, colonels or whatever to feel like they would feel comfortable wearing their hair down. And I think it's still some room to grow in that aspect too. But um, I've seen a lot of people saying, okay, you know, they, they, they've done that. They have okay, neck tats even though it, or neck tattoos even though they're pretty small it's nothing big uh they've okay hand tattoos so it seems like what whether it's to you know um i think both sides it'll it'll help recruitment it'll help retention but why, why can't we get beards you know like i feel like it, it, it's like people are looking at those type of things like okay they're trying to make progress in certain ways whether it's to recruit people whether it's you know whatever the thought process was behind it why would they approve 
neck tattoos and all this other stuff before uh, there's this real problem that that men are facing because you, you know even if you're white black whatever shaving is pretty hard on your face to do every day if you if you have pfb or not so i think that's one concern that i i, I would feel like i I'm, i would i didn't utilize the opportunity to just ask you yeah so um i think it can be um a bit of a of a fool's errand sometimes to try to compare apples and oranges uh sometimes that leads us down some i i think some uh logic flaws but but let's 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 talk about those things that you brought up real quick one and remember we talked about would would implementing a a beard policy get eliminate the waivers and the answer was no but eliminating uh the women's hair although i don't think they're exactly the same kind of situation but eliminating the requirement for buns did eliminate the medical problem completely for so all women can wear their hair like that there's none that are excluded in fact some of the early drafts did not seem to be accurately accounting for all types of hair and we changed them so that no kidding this is accessible to 100% of women and removes this medical problem from 100% of women's lives if they choose to do this. Now, there's some unwritten culture still going through, right, with 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 the with the ponytails for sure. But it, it but again, it seems to be heading in the right way. But that's a significant difference between this apple and this orange. Is that on the on one side, this completely eliminated the medical condition, and it was 100% accessible to everyone. Now, the only way we could do that for beards is to say, you don't have to shave at all. Like, just do what you want. You can shave, you can not shave. And we're not, we're, we're not ready to do that. And no one, none of the proposals that have come forward, that was what was being asked for. Like, I, I think that there's still, um, that we still aren't, aren't on this, you know, there isn't a single opinion on what a, professional authorized beard might look like there certainly is a um uh, an easy to define medical route and an easy to define um religious accommodation on the on the um tattoos you know i'll just again i'll just speak just from a space force when we set the policy um and this was across the board with pretty much all of our dress and appearance um certainly the sort of the, the permanence of a tattoo, and I'll say that in quotation marks, is you can have them removed through a process, usually pretty well. Um, but the permanence of a tattoo is very different than the permanence of, for instance, cutting my hair because I want to have a mullet, you know, like it's a very different um, problem. Um, but the the reason why we landed on the, the dress and appearance policy sort of in general is the lens was how do we be as as accepting as any service while not being outside of the bounds of of all the services so as inter-service transfers are coming into the space force we didn't want to send a message that hey that tattoo is okay when you're a sailor but it's not okay for us now perhaps we could have approached that with uh case-by-case -case waivers etc but we just didn't feel like the tattoos or uh the ponytail length or um 
uh, some, some, of, I guess those are really the, the two things that we didn't think that they were that different service to service that we couldn't just adopt the most, uh, uh, the most uh, liberal of, of all the policies. So that's why we landed on that. There wasn't really much thought put into it beyond that on tattoos. It was like, hey, figure out who allows the most and let's do what they're doing. But just so that we can have these inter-service transfers comes in. So that doesn't mean um, it's some perfect solution. That just, I'll just explain that that's, that's how we arrived at that. Um, I think those are the two kind of, yeah, I hear that, you know, a lot. Sorry, Morse, what am, what am I missing? So Chief, for, to get back to your, to your question, like it, it does seem like there's, there's a reasonable process. I, I think one of the areas where people are, are having trouble is that they don't know where it ends because, you know, the future is always unknown, right? And, and people don't know that where that's going because we've only ever been told one solid answer. But then we hear things, and we, everybody, we hear, you know, oh, well, we're, we're looking at this, we're looking at that. And, and so it gives people sort of, whiplash isn't the right term, but it gives people that like, well, what's what's going on? Yeah. Um, we, we talk about beard standards though, like, I don't know about you, I, I grew the the standard horrible airman first class mustache way back in the day. Um, Cause you know, you gotta explore the limits and, and I found them. Um, but when we talk about what looks like a professional beard, if, if we have, you know, an 18, 19 year old Sikh or Muslim or pagan Norse, you know, whatever, and their beard's patchy because they're 18 years old, they're still going to have that religious accommodation and it's still going to be quote unquote professional, even though it's a mm, patchy, scruffy beard from a, I mean, admittedly, I'm Christian, but from a non-religious standpoint, it seems like it shouldn't matter necessarily what your religion is if one is considered professional, but one isn't simply because one is religious and the other isn't. And, that, and that's the other type of thing that people bring up a lot. I know you've seen it, everybody's seen it. Um, it at the same time, like it's great that, I mean, maybe not neck tattoos, whatever, but it's great that, that women were allowed to like not have to, you know, put uh, migraine inducing hairstyles up. Like my wife gets migraines and when she has one, like she can't touch her hair. Like I know what that's like. Uh, and it's great that they're able to get that. And I don't think anybody's really equating the two things per se, but there's, you know, there's similarities and people, we, humans recognize patterns, right? So we naturally latch on to, oh, this is, kind of similar to this and so therefore it should get the result that I want because uh, that's just human nature um, if I had like the crystal ball as an analyst I could say oh yeah in five years I know that this leads towards some kind of grand compromise and stuff that'd be that'd be amazing but you know we don't have that and so the people that are really charging for it are in that nebulous like hey I don't know what's going on and that makes me unhappy and grumble 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 on reddit uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think um, it's a little um, it's a little disappointing that uh, that there's people who would intentionally stir the pot for whatever reasons. Um, I know you guys are um, are aware that there were pretty significant rumors that there was a pilot being launched and you could volunteer to be on the pilot and 
but that was not at the service level. That was never happening. Um, so why why was that rumor started? What was the? Um, and it's just it's just uh, it's just something that we've got to work through. But that's why we're doing this, right? Like we don't want to lead people on. So so if there's in general, there's three conversations. There's a there's a conversation about I have deeply held beliefs that I should have facial hair and will you accommodate me or not? And, um, and, and we've answered that. The answer is yes. And we have done that um, with religious accommodation. And, and, um, and to be fair, that's always, uh, you know, we talked about this um, uh, offline that that's always the common the the conversation about accommodation it's not a question of denying we we fight we put on a uniform to defend people's right to believe whatever they want to believe that's what makes our nation great there are some deeply held beliefs that the military cannot accommodate and so every um every time we have these conversations that's literally can we accommodate this or not and to your point um, that was the conversation a few years ago before we um, really embraced and said, no, we are going to accommodate these deeply held beliefs. But that was that was the conversation. Is it professional? Is it not? For centuries, in fact, in history and even extending through science fiction, a, a military force that all looks exactly the same is scary. It's deterrence. Like this is legendary, right? Like stormtroopers in those for them guys in Game of Thrones, right? Like this this is what's scary. And so this has been sort of the military norm for a long, long time. It's why we look the same. It's why we train the same. It's why we move in unison. Like these things are, are part of a traditional military mindset. And so changing them took, took time and, and will take time and do take time. And so, but that certainly was the conversation was, should we accommodate this? Can we accommodate this? Or does it start to deteriorate? Good order, discipline, lethality, and readiness. And the answer on religious accommodation was no. We'll we'll, we'll accommodate. Um, and the same thing with with medical. So that's the second. One. So religious accommodation is one conversation, and then medical necessity is another. And we've had that one pretty well today, right? And then the third one is I just want to. And and you know I I get it when when we say the when I call that fashion, it's a little bit of a trigger for folks, but. But it's just, hey, I want to. It's cool, and I want to look cool, and I don't want to have to grow a a white wall around my ears anymore. And I want to put a ring in my nose. Like, there's any number of things that we want to do, and there's nothing wrong with wanting those things. And whenever there's a uniform board, you raise your hand and you say, hey, we want this to be considered, and this is exactly what we think the policy should look like. And then, and then we look at it, and then, um, and then we make a decision. And I think that will continue. Beards continue to gain, although they're waxing a little bit, um, but waning a little bit at the moment um, in favor of mustaches, frankly, in, in like society. But um, but they continue to gain in popularity, certainly since um, uh, since they became more normal kind of at the turn of the century. And so they're becoming more and more normal. They're not a they're not a societal norm at this point. They're still in general. Beards are are worn to make a statement of some sort. They're not the conservative look. They just aren't. And in general, the military look will be a conservative look. It's just like long hair, like 
face jewelry, like it all. Like, so it's all in that same bucket. And none of it is, you're not a bad person to want to do that. I, every time I'm on leave, I grow my beard out. Like it's fine, but that's, but what, what becomes sort of heartbreaking is if we conflate these things. Like if you just want to grow a beard because it's cool and you conflate it with a very important conversation on discrimination, that's sad. Like we don't want to do that. We want to keep these conversations separate, um, except in so much as they may lend supporting fires to each other. And, and I guess the final thing is I would just, um, we have to remember that we serve the American people, all people and all generations. So beards are certainly trending among young people right now. And, um, and they're seen more widely in a wide variety of places, but still the general perception, right? If we, if we um, film a movie, right? I'm waiting for the movie where when you find the, the hero that's fallen off the wagon and is in the worst place in his whole life, he's clean shaven. And then when he becomes a mighty hero again, he's grown out a beard. Like that's not the normal Western trope, right? Um, we, we, we just aren't to societal norm yet. We're certainly trending towards generational preference, but we're not to societal norm. So I think these conversations are fine. I think they're they're healthy. Um, I think we should keep having them. I think keep keep rooting for whatever, you know, like we, we're we in a different place. We haven't really changed the rules um, in riding, but we're in a very different place, for instance, with uh, grooming aids today than we were when I came in 30 years ago. If I wore the amount of pomade that I that, that is popular and commonplace today and looks very professional today, but if I would have worn that in 1990, I would have got a letter of counseling, right? So, you know, societal norms change. And, and I think that beards might change. And we might find that that these things we've done, these changes to um, allow barrier-free um, service for people that need medical waivers or have asked for religious accommodation, maybe it's not enough. The rules that we've changed, it might not be enough. And we might have to do something more. My, my biggest worry, and it's my sincere worry, is that if you change the written rules, do bad people or people that are that are have misplaced values or perspective, do they now have an excuse to discriminate against you? In other words, do they start saying, you got what you wanted, Morris, you got your beard, but I don't have to think you're professional, right? Like, do you, do you bring that behavior out if, if, you, if you give it to everyone? I don't know, but that's my fear. That's been my fear from the beginning because, um, well, frankly, because we sometimes see that. Okay, you guys got what you wanted, but now I'm more mad at you, right? Like you start dividing people into us and thems instead of saying, hey, whatever your face looks like is good with me. And if this was a conversation about eye patches, and I needed an eye patch, everyone wouldn't be asking to wear an eye patch because I needed one, but they would be expected to accept me for mine. And I wouldn't be able to wear a fuchsia one, right? Or a one with butterflies, it would have to match my uniform. Like there would be some professional standard applied to it. I think this is kind of um, 
not everyone has to agree, but that's kind of where we are from a leadership perspective in it. Where do we place our efforts and where do we accept risk? And how do we explain this in a way that gives us the best opportunity to move forward with good order and discipline and, and hearing all voices? And so um, I'm going to give you guys the last words. We're going to wrap it up. But um, that was kind of what I wanted to do here today. And hopefully uh, anyone that's listened to this conversation sort of um, gets that a little bit. And, and if not, we can keep having the conversation. I, I am not um, afraid to talk about this. I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. I talk about it. I was talking about it quite regularly and then it had sort of died down. Um, I don't think it's, it's a, it's not a good topic for, um, you know, for 140 character bits or one-liners on social media. I, I don't think it's a good conversation. That, that's not a conversation, right? Lobbying, you know, opinions back and forth um, isn't helpful, but conversations like this will never bother me. So I'm going to continue to kind of toe the line and say, I'm, I don't want to get into this in social media. If you want to talk to me about it, you know, grab me. But I, I hope that this has sort of helped people kind of understand. And Sergeant Jones, you said, I promise you, brother, like I have thought and thought and thought about if there was an easy, responsible way forward, like I have already taken a photo of me in uniform with my beard, like I'm ready to go, because that would be the final piece, right, is if we did authorize it, then leaders need to immediately show everyone that it's okay. I just couldn't get there. And my responsibility to all guardians um, right now uh, favors our, our decision or is in line with our decision to say, hey, let's, let's make these changes to policy. Let's see what happens. Um, and let's keep having this conversation about, um, about, hey, I just, I just want, I just think you should modernize your perspective on professionalism a bit so we'll go uh we'll go sergeant jones and and sergeant morse you guys get the last word so you go first sheepdog or whatever the new i think sheepdog is a fantastic nickname by the way i i have great admiration for sheepdogs um having raised uh grown up on a on a farm that raised sheep for a while like um that's that's hard work to protect the flock of from all enemies and yet never be mean towards the flock it's a fine balance to be vicious enough to defend against evils and kind enough and nurturing enough to care for the flock i think sheepdogs are pretty amazing but you, you just gave me a whole perspective on the call sign i actually like it more now <laughs> good <laughs> but thank you chief i just want to say first and foremost uh i think what you just did was great here just even allowing us to be here and just uh facilitate the conversation and just show people that you care i think that's more than than you have to do and i think that's more than we've seen being done so i appreciate that and i just want to say um you know and I, I as you as i've heard you talk about when i i watched the um house armed service committee with you and the, the rest of the service why chiefs are, are top enlisted leaders um uh, talking about you know what problems face the force and i think you were able to capture everything very well i i just do hope that uh as as the space force i look at us as the most um trailblazing branch and maybe i'm a little bit biased but i hope that in the future that we can continue to keep trailblazing and, and breaking down some of those norms uh as we continue to figure out how to keep all volunteer force and how to um increase recruitment increase retention which like you said we don't really have a recruitment problem but we might possibly have a retention problem that's that's above me but i do think that when we start to look you know at, at civilians maybe we can model how 
we shape our rules and regulations so that we can continue to retain that talent and be able to recruit that talent. Because if you look at, you know, uh, black male or, or I guess black people make up 12% of the U.S. population, but 16% of the DOD, when you start looking at black males, they look nothing like the black males that you see in the military because just the way the rules and regulations are. So as as we continue to try and like win, win this next fight and uh, keep that all volunteer force, I would just hope that we can continue to make ourselves look a little bit more like civilians. That's just my personal opinion. You know, I think that'll help us to uh, get the best and brightest people and I have people say, you know what, I would love to join the military, but I can't, I have to cut my dreads. I have to do this. I have to do that. You know, that's just my take on it. Once again, thank you, Chief. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. Thanks, man. Sorry, Morris, take us home. Chief, uh, thank you again for, for setting this up. This is looking back at the beginning of my Air Force career. This is not the type of conversation I ever would have expected to be having. Um, <laughs> It's, it's wild, it's, it's really cool. Um, I like what Sergeant Jones talked about, about looking normal. I've always heard Beards talk about from like an OPSEC perspective and having spent an awful lot of time uh, stationed overseas. In parts of Europe, some of us stick out more than others, parts of Asia, some of us stick out more than others, but you can always tell an American service member by just like, oh, the sideburns are only so short and there's no facial hair and it's a certain hairstyle or maybe three. Um, Dreads would be interesting. I'm not, I'm not advocating for that. That'd be interesting though. Um, it's a really good conversation. It's a lot to think about. Um, and hopefully nobody, nobody would ever accuse me of uh, not trying to stick it to the man at any uh, given possible. No, you're in, man. You're, you're going to be, <laughs> they're going to lasso you right in. You're a traitor now. It was that terrible realization I had when I became an NCO. It's like, ah, oh, crap, I'm the man now. Dang it. <laughs> But no, Chief, thank you. Um, this was a great conversation. Um, and hopefully there will be more of them and less sniping uh, from the internet trenches of anonymous people yelling at each other. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, it's all good. I, I don't mind. The only thing that, the only thing that uh, bums me out is, is when the anonymity claims that I'm letting down guardians. Like, I, I don't, like the rest of the world can think what they want. Um, I, I owe you all my best effort and and I hope uh, that that you see um, what we're doing and, and what I'm doing and, and that's the only part that I you know that's the part that we take serious everybody's got opinion and uh, you can't please all people at all times all, all those normal things uh, I, I hope though that that you see how hard we're trying to get this right and how much thought and and effort we put into to getting it right so thanks thanks you both uh thanks you both for your grace and can't wait to see you again soon and uh yeah we'll see it'll take a few days to get this out on the street but you guys will make sure you tag me when you post it and you know tell your loved ones and all that thanks for thanks for helping us think through hard problems appreciate you we're out on this end